Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. 223 for the love of the game on the Believe Podcast Network is brought to you by Bet Online. Football is back, people, and Bet Online is your number one source for all your sports wagering info and up to minute stats, news, scores, and matchup breakdowns. Get the latest game odds, spreads, and totals from the NFL and college football right at your fingertips with Bet Online's real time updates on statistics, news, and odds. From week one to the college football season, all the way to the college football playoff, all the way to the Super Bowl, Bet Online gives you access to the best football promotions and contests available anywhere online. Head to the website today or use your mobile device and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BLEAV, that's B L E A V, to get 50% on your first deposit, a 50% welcome bonus. Bet Online, where the game starts with that said, episode 223 for the love of the game. Let's get this work. Oh. Oh. Okay, okay, okay. Ah! Oh. Hey, I'm trying to get crumb. C-R-U-E. Truly, it's ATH, episode 223, back in the saddle, back behind the mic for the love of the game. You know what it is. Took a week off last week because we were traveling. It was hard to get a guest with the travel. Schedule was weird, but we figured it'd be a good week to take off. NFL week one is in the books. Yes, I will be talking about the Giants debacle that was last night. We're coming to you on a late Monday afternoon, September 11th. Obviously, it's a little weird when you're trying to talk about anything else on that day, considering what happened September 11th, 2001, was a tragedy that changed the world and and changed the United States uh, forever. But you, you remember the victims, you remember their families. Life, unfortunately, has to go on, but you can't forget what happened that day. But anyway, back to lighter topics. The New York Giants were a disaster. An unmitigated disaster on Sunday Night Football, losing 40-0 to to the Dallas Cowboys. I'm going to talk about it with a recurring guest in just a little bit. Flesh out some thoughts, but there's really not a whole heck of a lot to say because it was an absolute train wreck. So just hold that thought for a second. But other things happened besides for Week 1 in the NFL that I want to talk on before we... Continue with talking about what happened in week one of the NFL. We're going to get to a lot of that the rest of the show. So, let's start off with the U.S. Open. Congratulations to America's own Coco Goff for winning the women's tournament. Her first career Grand Slam. She came back from one set down to beat number one seed Ariana Sabalenka. Came back to win three sets. Very Good win for her. I mean, super, super impressive. After the first set, it looks like that was going to be a rout. And she came back to win. So congratulations to her. And by the way, if you haven't seen it on Instagram, Dave Portnoy, founder of Barstool Sports, one of my idols, was talking about tennis and him watching tennis for the first time and how he became a Sabalenka fan. It is great. He was on the guys of the tennis channel. Must watch clip. Very, very funny. And 
actually quite astute analysis for somebody who doesn't watch a whole lot of tennis. But congratulations to Coco Goff on winning her first major, the U.S. Open. A American winning the U.S. Open, always good to see. And congratulations to Novak Djokovic on the men's side for winning his 24th major, being Daniel Medvedev in three sets, in straights. Number 24 for Djokovic. Medvedev took care of Carlos Alcaraz pretty easily in the semis. So we were, not I would say robbed, because Medvedev absolutely trounced him, just beat him up in four sets. But we were all expecting an Alcaraz-Novak rematch from Wimbledon. We didn't get it. Novak wins his 24th, Career Grand Slam. Gives a shout-out to the late, great Kobe Bryant. 24. You know what the symbolism is. Had the t-shirt, the whole nine. I, I do want to say one quick thing. Uh, I got a shout-out recurring guest and a good friend of mine, Rob Carpellis. For, we're in this WhatsApp group, and he's talking about how Kobe may be the most influential athlete when it's all said and done. I love Kobe Bryant. I absolutely love Kobe Bryant. It's still crazy to me that he is no longer with us. But let's pump the brakes a little bit, all right? I know that, you know, unfortunately when somebody leaves us too soon in a tragedy, let's just say it's really good for, you know, remembering that person's legacy. And Kobe has an amazing legacy, but he's not the most influential athlete of all time. I mean, let's let's pump the brakes here. But congratulations to Novak Djokovic on winning his 24th major. Unbelievable. He's still going strong at 36. Doesn't look like he's slowing down anytime soon. Already has the most major titles ever. Hard to argue against the fact of him being the greatest men's player of all time. I would still say, it just based on watching both, I think Roger Federer's is best was better than anybody else's best, but it's really hard to argue against Novak at this point. A little FIBA. So the FIBA World Cup commenced. Germany wins the gold. They beat the United States in the semis, then took care of business in the gold medal game. In the semis, Dennis Schroeder absolutely torched Jalen Brunson. He torched a lot of guys too, but... The biggest takeaway is not really necessarily the U.S. because it's clear that, you know, they didn't send their best players. It was a little bit of a makeshift group. I still think the U.S. should have won the tournament. I think they were talented enough to win. Germany played really, really well. They care about it a lot. And Germany has NBA players. The Wagner brothers, Dennis Schroeder, like they've, Daniel Tice, like they have NBA players. And they clearly put more stock into it and and took it more seriously than the Americans did. But the biggest takeaway for me is Franz Wagner. I've been a Franz Wagner guy for a while. I think he's awesome. And I think the Orlando Magic, and this is going out on a limb early. I know we're uh, not necessarily in NBA season yet with training camp, I think three weeks away or something like that. But I think the Orlando Magic are going to at least be in the playing game this year. Uh, Paolo Bancaro for the United States had real great moments in this tournament. I think he's got a tremendous amount of promise, and Franz Wagner is really, really good. Really, really good. As for the bronze medal game, the U.S. lost to Canada in overtime. I really don't care. Don't care. Dylan Brooks had a monster game, but who cares? Could not care less. Okay, so NFL Week 1. As a whole... I just think it, it was very ugly. It was bad football. 
Offenses were not clicking for the most part. I mean, you saw what happened in Cincinnati. The Browns, even though they put it on Cincinnati, were not particularly impressive offensively. You saw it in Pittsburgh. You saw it across the league. It's just an ugly product right now. First couple of weeks. That's because most starters don't play in the preseason. Uh, You know, the Giants... Giants are ugly for a lot of different reasons. But yeah, it's just... Week one is is a rough watch. It's a rough watch, and I find myself liking it less and less. And I was really looking forward to this because, A, the Yankees stink, and I needed a little bit of a sports fix. B, I was really excited for this giant season last night. Did not help quench that excitement. In in fact, it, it left me with a major bitter taste in my mouth. But yeah, it's just the NFL, it takes a while for teams to get into rhythm. So it's really hard to overreact to week one. We're going to talk with our recurring guest about instant reactions to week one and what we think if any of our preseason opinions changed about teams based off of week one. And yeah, as for the Giants. All right, so here, here it is, okay? It was disgusting. It was about as bad a Giants loss as I've ever seen. And again, as I mentioned before, mentioned multiple times, I had really high expectations going into this season. I was very excited for last night's game. And the game starts, the Giants get the ball, they are marching down the field. Saquon Barkley's breaking off runs, Daniel Jones is breaking off runs. They get inside the 10-yard line. It's a beautiful drive. And then this sequence happens. Maybe one of the worst sequences I've ever seen in a football game. Third and two inside the 10. Andrew Thomas, the star left tackle who didn't have a false start all of last year. False start. Third and seven. I'm like, ah, shit. All right, here we go. Then rookie center, botched snap in the shotgun, loss of about 20 yards. So now it's fourth down. Long field goal, over 45-yard field goal. Line it up, kick gets blocked, returned for six the other way, touchdown Cowboys. Nothing can take the air out of your sails quite like that sequence, which happened in about a minute's time, in real time. Absolutely disastrous. Disastrous. And then... The Giants go three and out in their next possession. The Giants' defense actually did a great job in holding Dallas to three after it looks like Dallas was going to go in and score. They hold the Cowboys to three points. Another turnover. Interception off of Barkley's hand, 16-0. Another turnover. Daniel Jones rolling out to his right, making a terrible decision, and all of a sudden the game's fucking over. I just is speechless. And the final score was 40 to 0. I turned it off in the third quarter, went to sleep. I was like, I've had enough of this crap. I, I just cannot believe what I watched. And if the Giants had not won two Super Bowls in my lifetime, two of the greatest Super Bowl wins of all time, I would be a level 15 out of 10 depressed on this Monday morning. Because Not only the nature of how they lost and your expectations coming into last year after they won a playoff game for the first time 
in a long time, probably since 2011. But it's the Dallas Cowboys. It's the fucking Dallas Cowboys. I hate the Dallas Cowboys, all right? And the fact is, is that Dak Prescott, who's really mediocre at best, has beaten the Giants every single start since his rookie season. That's 13 of 14 that the Giants have lost to the Dallas Cowboys. This is embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. The Giants need to split with the Cowboys this year. And we'll talk about where the pecking order is in the NFC because I think seeds 4 through 7 are still wide open. It, it is week 1 again. But like, if the Giants want to take the next step and they paid Daniel Jones to take the next step, he's getting $40 million a year. And again, it wasn't just him. The offensive line was absolutely brutal. Micah Parsons destroyed them. And yes, I am still salty about the fact that the Giants, the year that Dave Gettleman decided to trade down for the first time, only because they got jumped for Devonta Smith, because they let the whole league know that that's who they wanted to take. By the way, Devonta Smith is awesome. So they trade down for Kadarius Toney, and it's a disaster. And yeah, they were able to get Darren Waller out of that trade. It ended up resulting in Evan Neal. Awesome. Great. But Evan Neal sucked last night, and he sucked last year. And Giants fans, let me ask you this. Would you rather the combination of Evan Neal and Darren Waller, or would you rather Michael Parsons, who looks like Lawrence Taylor Light? So yeah, if the Giants had not won two Super Bowls in my lifetime, I would be absolutely miserable. But, because they've won, it's not a 15 out of 10. But this was so bad. It was absolutely brutal. There was nothing positive about this game. Nothing. Not a single positive thing. If you are the Giants, you don't even watch the film. You throw it in the trash. You get ready to beat up on Arizona, who's the worst team in the league next week, and then take it from there. So... Where am I at with the Giants? I'm not totally off of it because sometimes you just get your ass handed to you. And that's clearly what happened. They got their ass handed to them in the most embarrassing fashion. Let's see where we are after five weeks. But the Giants now have to go win in Dallas if they want to really be taken seriously as a playoff team in the NFC, which looks like it's going to be wide open. There's a lot of weird things that happened in week one. And again, it's week one. But last night was as demoralizing as it gets. Not much else you could say. As demoralizing as it gets. And with that said, we're going to talk to a recurring guest in just a matter of moments to talk a little bit more about the demoralization that was last night's game, and a couple of other thoughts from week one. So stay tuned. We're going to add to him in just a matter of moments. So I mentioned in the monologue, it's time. We got to talk about it. Recurring guest, Mr. Shai Elberger, by the way, who does an incredible ad read in his Marv Albert voice. We're going to have to get him to do that again, but he's back on. We got to talk about what happened last night. Shai, what's good, bud? How you doing? Uh, well, I have been better. Uh, we have had other week one losses, but this one was pretty, pretty, pretty bad. This is a special kind of loss. Um, as I mentioned in the monologue, we both had a lot of excitement 
this season there was a lot of anticipation, more anticipation for me personally than there's been in a long time. And to lay an egg to that team, to that quarterback again, is just... It just sucks, and I figure we, we have to have a little bit of a therapy session. So, let me ask you this right off the bat. Was there anything to take away from this except for just that it's one game, it was garbage, and, and move on? Like, give me something here. What, what, what do you have to say? Um, well, the one kickoff the Giants had did go for a touchback, so that was good. So um, I no, I I unfortunately I I so a lot of Giants fans were very uh, optimistic going into this game. I was not one of those. I I uh, I did not pick the Giants in our 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 head-to-head picks. Um, I just my whole thing was the Giants have not beaten the Cowboys in basically six years, aside from one game at the end of 2020 when the Cowboys, I think, were starting Andy Dalton uh, the last week of the season. Yeah. And every they didn't even time, beat Cooper Rush. No, right. They lost to Cooper Rush last week. But basically, uh, last year, basically every Giants-Cowboys game comes down to the fact that the Cowboys' pass rush dominates the Giants' offensive line. And... Until I see otherwise, that is how I fear every game is going to go. The Cowboys have a very, very good defense, a very good defensive line, a very good secondary. And basically, it's not like the Giants had, you know, signed these, you know, high-priced stud offensive linemen. They basically drafted a center in the second round who I think will be good, but he's a rookie center making his first start. And then, you know, they were just relying on the same players from last year to get better. Uh, And at the top of that list, obviously, is Evan Neal. And we all held out hope all summer. He's going to make a year-two leap, similar to Andrew Thomas. Um, You know, like, this guy is like a stud from Alabama, top ten pick. Like, how could he be bad? And I just – I will say, like, all summer – we were not seeing those practice reports that clearly show that Neil has like getting better. And there were, he wasn't great in training camp from everything I read. He played a little bit in the preseason. He missed the first game with a concussion, but played a little in the second game. And I think like gave up a couple pressures. So I was like, I mean, we, we, it doesn't mean it won't happen. We just, we haven't seen it yet. And then he was bad again last night as was the rest of the line, but the right side of the line specifically, Mark Lewinsky, who is horrible, and Evan Neal, Evan Neal, like, may just not be good. Or we're talking next year that he's been moved to right guard because he's better inside. He may Maybe he's not athletic enough to play tackle. But the bottom line is I think we – and I get the Cowboys have a really good D line, right? Like we're not going to play the Cowboys every week, but there are a lot of good D lines. The giants are playing. Like they play the Cowboys again. They play the Eagles twice. They play the Niners. They play the jets. They play the dolphins. Like it is what it is. So unfortunately I think we have to come to, 
realization, the reality that Evan Neal is not going to be Andrew Thomas. He's not going to be a, a really good right tackle. Um, and at this point, like I, I would be, love to be proven wrong ultimately, but I think really what I'm hoping for is he can become a good guard. And, and that just sucks because the Giants still have huge question marks at offensive line now for like 10 years. And the Eagles and the Cowboys and the top teams will, will crush them. And it really makes you like, really, I was thinking back to like when the Giants were really good in like the late, I don't know what decade you call the, the zeros, the 2000s. The odds. Like, no, I, no, I'm not going to say that. But those two <laughs> Super Bowl years, like that six-year stretch – where they had Strahan and OC and Tuck and JPP, like this is what they were doing to other teams. They're just like relentless pass rush. And the Giants can't block that right now. Like they're just not able to. Even the first drive of the game, the Giants get down to the eight-yard line, but that was not a smooth drive. Like that was Daniel Jones running away from the pass rush. Uh, there was no complete. Well, hold on. Barkley hit a couple of. No, no, no. So the, the and a lot of those okay. runs were design runs. The runs, the runs were fine. They, a couple of them were, but like I'm saying, the pass plays ended up being Jones scrambling. Right. I don't think a receiver had a catch till like the second half. Um, so it was it was really ugly. It was really ugly. They got down to the eight yard line. I stood up. I'm like, we're about to see them go down, go up 7 nothing, And what the next 20 minutes looked like uh, was just, may have been the worst, worst half of a bye I've ever well, watched. Well, that sequence of the false start on the one guy who doesn't false start. Right, of course. Then we had the bad snap, and then the kick six, you know, yeah. after it was blocked. I mean, that's about as bad as it gets. It Are was, you getting – yeah, go ahead. No, no, I'm, yeah, like after Andrew Thomas gets a false start, they, of course, say he had no false starts all of last year. So, of course, a yeah, perfect time to get your first one in two years. Then the bad snap. That's a loss of 15. You're like, okay, it's still a 45-yard field goal, but it is pouring, so that's not great. And then, of course, like the cleanest block, of course, it's returned for a touchdown. But let's not stop there. Andrew Thomas pulls his hamstring on the play, chasing the guy down, gutted through the rest of the game, clearly not looking good, went for testing today, don't know the severity, but at the worst he's going to miss time, which I'm not sure the Giants can function if Andrew Thomas misses time. At best, he's going to be playing through pain now. Ugh. Sorry, and on that same play, Graham Gano takes a cleat to his leg trying to make a tackle, and he said he'll be fine, but like, if the Giants' season ends up going, goes down in flames, that three-play sequence—I guess two plays—the false start, bad snap, kick six—that uh, first quarter of Week One—that was just—we're gonna look back at that and be like, I can't believe that happened. Are you getting flashbacks to Eric Flowers when it comes to Evan Neal? No. Because left tackle is more important than right tackle, but also Flowers had like a bad attitude. He didn't like take ownership. Um, just like he was bad vibes. Evan Neal, that's why a lot of the reason 
everyone thought he'd get better was like he has the mental makeup to get better. Like he wants to get better. He's doing all this training. He's a really smart guy. Like that's why we thought that. So I'm not getting Flowers vibes, but I am getting like he is not going to be that bookend tackle that we all thought we were getting when we drafted him, like him and Thomas being the tackles for 10 years. It, it just – it sucks, and I have more to say on that draft class, but not for this, not for this one. I also we can't absolve Daniel Jones completely um, for his performance. I mean that second interception when he's rolling out to his right, and again the offensive line was absolutely brutal. Uh, again, also another thing I'd like to point out is that the Giants had a chance to draft Micah Parsons who completely has dismantled their offensive line, but decided to trade down for the first time in their history, whatever. I, I just, it, it annoys me to this day. But we can't absolve Daniel Jones either. He did not have a good game. However, I think he had no chance to have a good game. I think what you're, the player talking about for sure was a horrible decision. I don't know why he even like double pump, like he knew it was a bad throw, but then just still threw it anyway. It was first down, like so stupid. Having said that, there was also a holding on Evan Neal on that play. So it was going to be first and 20 regardless. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that was simply at a point where it's like this game is spiraling out of control and I need to try to do something. Of course, there was also like a six yard pass. We're not talking about like, he tried to throw a bomb into double coverage. So, yeah, I, that was just a total mental lapse. I don't think, given how the whole game played out, I don't think that really mattered. No, of course um, not. I mean, the game was pretty much done. Like, yeah, I mean, like, with the quarterback, he was pressured, like, on 18 of his 20 of his 30 dropbacks. Like, he, he's not going to do well. It's just not – it's not going to have a good game. He's not that guy – He's not, you know, Mahomes or Josh Allen who can do crazy things once they start scrambling. And and it just sucked. Like, I knew I was watching the forecast all week. I was like, if this, if this really is like a really heavy rain that does not bode well for the Giants, they have a lot of rookies and young players who are making their debut, who it's just like Sunday night against Dallas. If it's pouring rain, the Giants – I even said this to my, my family – I was like, one edge the Giants have is the kicking game, and if there's heavy rain, that kind of neutralizes Gano. And lo and behold, not that the rain affected it, but the rain affected the snap, I think, which led to a blocked field goal. Yep. And then later in the game, another bad snap, but the hold was there. Gano brutally shanks a 39-yard field goal, which I think he was 95% with the Giants so far under 40 yards. Let me ask you another question. Brian Dable obviously didn't have a great night. No one had a great night. Do you question his motive for keeping Daniel Jones in the game that late, especially when you had uh, the second-string offensive line in? And is there any fear from you? And, and I know this is, like, very raw. Like, we're, we're, oh, we may be overreacting a little bit. But, like, is there any fear from you that – He's kind of going to go down the path of Joe Judge, where Joe Judge had a, a promising first year. Now, again, he didn't achieve what Brian Dable achieved, but promising first year fizzled out. Are, is there 
any fear there for you? I'm not there, but is, okay. are you having any of those thoughts? So I'll answer the first question. I mean, from what I heard in the post-game press conference, which somehow forced myself to stay awake for. Well, I, turned the, I turned the TV off in the third quarter and went to sleep. So his motivation was, which I figured it was going to be, and I will, I'll just say right up front, I don't agree with it and I can't understand it, was his desire to, like, just get one successful drive, get it, get a touchdown, and have something to take away. I just don't understand that because when it's thirty-four nothing or forty nothing, and you've been already, the game is over. You you were destroyed. You get some garbage time touchdown with five minutes left. What are you taking away from that? What, what are you building off of that? Nothing. So I didn't understand why Jones was in at all in the fourth quarter. Uh, I I couldn't comprehend it. And not just in, but he's continuing to take hits play after play. Getting crushed. Designed runs. Like, I, I, not, and then not only did Andrew Thomas come out of it, like, also, yeah, once Andrew Thomas comes out, you are waving the white flag. He's your only good lineman of course, that's when Jones should come out. And not only that, the backup left tackle also then left with an injury. The third stringer left tackle came in, and Jones stayed in for another possession with a third string left tackle. I, I, I didn't understand it. I definitely disagreed with that, uh, with, with that decision. Now, to the last question. So... I think a better comparison maybe even than Joe Judge is Ben McAdoo because he did make the playoffs his first year. Right. And that was after a multi-year downturn where he came in and went, you know, Giants had missed the playoffs a bunch of years in a row, and then they go 10, uh, 11 and 5. So even better than 9, 7 and 1. And then, of course, he, he gets fired before the end of the second year. Now, he got fired – if he doesn't bench Eli Manning, he doesn't. Yeah, there were, there, there were other things. It was the way so, he handled the press. It was the Manning situation. No, I, even the press, like, if he doesn't bench Eli, which, by the way, the GM and Mara signed off on, he would not get fired. Do I think Dable is in danger? I do not. I, I can't foresee any situation where that happens. I just – there's just no way. McAdoo wasn't coach of the year. Yeah. He, he wasn't as – I mean, the fans did love him in his, like, his nerdy haircut, but it just wasn't the same. It wasn't the same. And I also think coming off of three straight coaches that went two and done, there's just no way they would do that again. And no way after he won coach of the year and – the GM, like the GM hired him. There, there's just no way. Barring like, barring some criminal activity, I I really fail to see that. And that's including if they go four and thirteen. I still don't think so. With this quarterback draft class, honestly, that's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. So let me ask you this: Are you more on the it's one game, throw the tape away camp? Or are you more in this team is a bottom five team camp? 
Well, I think I definitely fall somewhere in the middle. I, I, I didn't wait eight months to watch one game and say they're a bottom five team, and nor do I think so. However, this was like a week one measuring stick. All offseason, the question was, did the Giants close the gap between Dallas and Philly? And I didn't think so for Philly. I did think so for Dallas. And yes, me too. just completely proved me otherwise. And so I'm not just going to sit here and be like, no, it was one game. Because the Giants' offensive line issues are real. They are real and they are spectacular. And I know I get, we're not playing Dallas every week. So like, I fully expect next week against Arizona for the offense to look far better and look closer to like they looked last year and like real passing. And, and just, like, if they look bad next week, like, let's revisit this conversation. But I was just, like, we were hoping the offensive line was better. We were hoping Evan Neal got better. We were hoping all these receivers were going to do stuff. Waller was going to be a mismatch. And at the end of the day, like, it was bad. It was really bad. It was, I don't think this is a one-week thing. They might score 30 points next week. But then they come back and they play San Francisco, Seattle, Buffalo, Miami. And I sit here today genuinely thinking the most likely outcome after six weeks is for the Giants to be one and five. And that doesn't make me happy to think that. And a win last night would have changed that outlook for me completely. But I can't, I can't think otherwise. How are we going to block San Francisco? How are we going to block Miami? They have a great defense. Buffalo. We play the Jets. Jets might have 40 sacks against the Giants. I don't know what last – I don't know. Uh, so it's. It, I don't think it's a one and done. I, um, like this game mattered. It, it doesn't – I'm not just going to throw it out. But I also am not saying we're a bottom five team. I, I think things will get better. I do believe in the coaches to get better as the season goes on. Um somehow game plan to, to help the offensive line. So somewhere in the middle. But as I sit here right now, like if we go two and four in the first six games, that'll mean we had an upset somewhere along the way. And I'll, I'll sign up for two and four, honestly, because I, I think it's going to be one and five. Well, I thought that two and four and three and three would be realistic to start the season. Um, I'm not off of that considering what we saw out of Seattle And the good thing for the Giants, I guess, going forward is that it it seems like the NFC, and we can talk about this a little bit more in the next segment, but it seems like the NFC outside of Dallas, Philadelphia, and San Francisco is completely wide open, like like top to bottom. But it's interesting. Obviously, I think Sunday's a must win. Like, if they lose Sunday, you might as well pack it in, correct? Uh, uh, Yes, I would say that's correct. Yeah, so it's... It's definitely not what we uh, what we wanted to be talking about, and the tone of voice is not great. But I, I I still believe that you know, let's see where they're at after the first five or six games, and then uh, and then we can really reassess. So overall thoughts from week one, because we we got to change the vibe up a little bit. That was a really depressing conversation. Um, something that stood out to you. What what's like the the three things that stood out to you, um, and we can alternate in terms of, of you know, big picture things that, you know, caught your eye. Well, what's the first thing that stood out to you? 
I would say not that I didn't think San Francisco was amazing, but I didn't think Pittsburgh would get blown out at home. Um, so that was interesting. I thought yep. Pittsburgh's defense would be better. Um, we heard it, all summer about how good Kenny Pickett looked. Yeah. And we know San Francisco has a great defense. So, like, if you're a Steelers fan, the, you know, the Steeler uh, for Love of the Game podcast, and they're asking, was this a one-week thing or is this change your outlook for the season? And I think for them it's a one-week thing because San Francisco is just really elite. You also had Deontay Johnson left the game in the mid in the first half, I think, with I don't know if we saw an update yet, but it looked did not look like a great hamstring injury. And um, it's like Pickett, it's still year two. Like, Jones, this is year five. Um, yeah, but so, the difference is if you look up and down that conference, that conference oh, is very good top for sure. Nine. Correct, for sure. Um, and I know the spread. And was, that division, by the way. Yes, and I know the spread was small. I just think, like, if you're a Pittsburgh fan, you may have just already chalked that up as a loss. Whereas as Giants fans, although I did think we were going to lose, it was like this is a divisional winnable game at home against a team you can't beat. San Pittsburgh, like, and I also don't know what the rest of their schedule looks like. It's probably pretty difficult. But, um, yeah, so anyway, San Francisco blowing up Pittsburgh. I didn't, I didn't see that coming. I'm going to piggyback off of that. And by the way, in our little heads up pick five contest against the spread, we were both three and two. My two losses were Pittsburgh plus two and a half and the Giants plus three and a half. So just goes to show you. Um, Brock Purdy is legit good. He's good. I will, like, I'm not watching the games besides Red Zone, so I'm only seeing. I was, I was on the flight, and and the streaming was cutting in and out, so I had on the TV uh, because the TV was was obviously a little bit more reliable. Brock Purdy played well. Yeah. He made he, uh, throws. I was a little skeptical um, coming off last year. You know, I, I was like, now teams have had a whole offseason to watch film. Um, but, like, Pittsburgh has a good defense. So, I, I mean, if he continues to just play well every game, then, like, I can't – I have to change my opinion – it's also just like such a well-coached team, Kyle Shanahan. They have Ayuk and Debo and CMC and Kittle and a great O-line and a great defense. It's it's um, it's just like a great setup, but it doesn't take away from the fact that he is executing that offense very well. So, yeah, I'd, I'd agree. And, I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll see them in a, in a couple of weeks on a short week Thursday night. On, uh, so that'll be a fun one. Um my next observation, and really I'm an observation because they cost me two parlays, was I really did not see Seattle losing at home to the Rams. That was interesting. Um, I, I just, I don't know. Like, I, it's so annoying because I wasn't really sold on Seattle last year, but everyone I listened to this offseason was so high on them as, like, it wasn't a fluke for Geno, et cetera, et cetera. And maybe it I wasn't. wasn't super high on them. I mean, I, I picked them to make the playoffs, but it wasn't like I felt great about it. But, like, the Rams are legit horrible. Like, I, I, aside from Aaron Donald, is there really one uh, – and Stafford, like, one other play, a couple – two other players you could really name? And I'm not talking about, like, because we, we read fantasy articles, so we know who, uh, you know, Tutu Atwell is or – or Pico, Nakua, Pico, Gaia, whatever his name is. But 
like on defense, Aaron Donald, and I can't name one other player. So nope. I really thought Seattle was going to score 30 points easy. And, like, I'm not sure what happened. I, I really don't know. I uh, Again, like, it was red zone only. So I'm not sure what happened. It does look like I saw their left tackle, Charles Cross, got hurt mid-game, and he might be out a while. Lockett left the game for a little bit. But still, like, I did not – obviously, I took Seattle um, – did not – foresee them losing at home to the Rams. Uh, that was pretty surprising. I wonder if this is a game where, like, in six weeks, Seattle's 5-2 and two and the Rams are 1-7. and seven. And I'm like, of course, the one game the Rams won was to cost me. And it just so happens to be that McVay does well against Pete Carroll. And, you know, historically, and it is what it is. I, yeah, that was a weird one. I mean, just the, the rest of the NFC... Four through seven is is just going to be a, a slog, and I think you're going to see a, a couple of nine and eight teams in the playoffs, and it's just going to be weird. My big takeaway is just more of what I said last year. Let's talk about the Miami Dolphins and their quarterback, Tua Tungavailoa, who went up against a member of his draft, draft class, Mr. Justin Herbert. Everybody's darling, Justin Herbert. And what do you know, once again, Tua comes out on top. And it wasn't just that, like, they won. Tua was awesome. He was absolutely awesome. And yet, Justin Herbert played well. But in the last drive of the game, when it mattered most, came up empty. Tua is better than Justin Herbert. Okay, so... (laughs) The Herbert, hold on one second. The Herbert bros on Twitter and in NFL media are the worst. No one gets more excuses made for for their play and the and the results on the field than Justin Herbert. Continue. Okay, so first of all, Eli Manning, twenty seventeen to twenty nineteen, got more excuses than anyone of all time. Yeah, but um, he's old already. Yeah, and whatever. Um, the Dolphins won that game because of Raheem Mostert, first of all. <laughs> um, second of all, do your fans know that the T and ATH stands for Tua? Third of all, you're right. So at least you did say at the end, like, it wasn't like Herbert had a bad game. He had a great game. Tua had an unbelievable game. Maybe Tyree Kill is the best receiver in NFL history. That's possible. But, no, to like, Tua's accuracy is really good. I don't know why when I watch him play, I just feel like he has such a slow release and, like, he's going to get picked off every time. But then it's, like, a perfectly placed pass or the guy is open or just, like, whatever it is. Like, the stats are what they were. They were incredible. And, and the Chargers have a good defense also. So, I mean, you can't take anything away from him. It was a great game. The one thing, and this isn't even specific to this game, it's just my general feeling, thought, is always people talk about clutch or, like, when it mattered most. Like, the Chargers and Herbert scored, like, three other times in the second half, very important touchdowns, but then the Dolphins just kept scoring also. So while you'll say, like, but the final drive, when it mattered most, Oh, here we go. To, Listen to this. No, it's not an excuse. It's just to me, it was just he converted touchdowns like four out of five drives. 
and the one he didn't was the last drive of the game. So it was the drive that was the end of the game. It just it mattered most. Like I, it's like people say. I, I used to say this with uh, with Eli. Like Eli is so clutch when it matters most because yeah, he won two Super Bowls. Oh, I just cracked again. I did that last week, and two Super Bowl game winning drives. But there were other playoff games and other crucial regular season December games where it mattered most and he didn't come through in the clutch. So just like sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. And it doesn't really matter what the scenario is. Maybe that makes you clutch. Maybe not choking in big situations makes you clutch. But I just feel like there were other very clutch drives in the game and, and in every game where it matters a lot. And, and he did come through. It just didn't on the last drive. Anyway, we'll see how the rest of the season goes. Herbert is very good. Tua is good. I, I think Tua is just as good as Justin Herbert, if not. We'll better. see. So are you, you should, uh, oh, you're going to miss the, uh, the Giants-Dolphins game because it's – Yeah, Jewish Holiday's Jewish holiday season is not great. It was like the one game I really wanted to go to, but I'm yeah. going to try and get to the one where they play the Jets. Okay. And by the you way, know, if, just, if the yeah. if the Giants go into the absolute tank, like I might as well just like become a member of Two Anon for the for the year because if oh, I'm no. down here most of the time, then it'd be great. Yo, you be a Bucks fan for Baker. No, um, we're, we're not so doing that. The one thing I'll say also, just back to your NFC point about uh, the wild card spots is like we could be sitting here again like giants are one and five and it'll be foolish to even ta- be talking about the playoffs but as we're just zero and one the giants are going to have crucial games against green bay they play green bay a monday night at home they play new orleans in new orleans now i do think they're going to win the division so that might not matter and the packers also might win the division but still and then they play Seattle week four coming up at home on Monday night. Yeah, it's so those be are three point. three games against potential wild card competitors. Those are huge. On that note, I will just also add the rest of the country cannot be thrilled to know that the Giants are on national TV in week three and week four and week six. So get used to it. <laughs> You're going to see a repeat of last night in week three at San Francisco, perhaps week four against Seattle, and perhaps week six at Buffalo. Wow, this is, this is this is very bitter shy talk. No, this is – it's I, – so I hated that last night's game was on Sunday night because they only – Giants-Cowboys games are always on national TV. Last year it was um, Thanksgiving game, and week three, I think, was Monday night. Yep. And the Cowboys always crush them. And it's always the same story. It's the pass rush. So every time the Giants are on national TV, it seems like they're getting destroyed. And that goes to Daniel Jones being like 1-11 in 11 on national TV. I don't know why they couldn't give them the Cardinals on national TV. But I'm just saying, like, I mean, they may also just not be good this year, the Giants. And they could be 1-5. One in, one in but we're going to see national TV games and not go the Giants' way and – that just adds insult to injury. Another thing that I noticed was the, and this is weird, but the Ravens-Texans game? Yes. Uh, did I write that down? I did not. But... Not super impressed by the Ravens. Yeah, I know Zay Flowers, the rookie wide receiver, was really good. 
But like Lamar was sloppy. The defense is bad. I thought the Texans showed that they're not going to be absolute pushovers this year. They may not win a lot of games, but like they're going to try and they're going to be in games for the most part. And I was kind of impressed with D'Amico Ryans in week one. Yeah, go ahead. I did write this down. I knew I, um, I knew I wrote something for Lamar. I was impressed with. I thought Lamar would have uh, a big, big game, and just the Ravens' passing in general. Um, it's the first game under a new offensive coordinator, so we know from experience that sometimes takes some time to to gel. But if this was last year, like the Ravens probably would have scored forty, and. I will say, like, I had Ravens money line in a, in a parlay, but I, I didn't take the, the minus 10. I think I actually had Ravens minus 2.5, but I didn't take the 10. I had a feeling, and this may or may not be true, but you mentioned D'Amico Ryans. Something about just, like, a former linebacker. He played for the Texans. He's been on the Niners staff for a few years. He was like he was their defensive coordinator. He got promoted after Salah left to the Jets. Like, I had a feeling that the Texans might suck, but their defense might be okay. Like, that's a lot of times what happens. Like, Salah came to the Jets, they sucked, but their defense was good. Um, I'm trying to think of like other defensive coordinators, like Jim Schwartz going to the Lions. Like, I don't really remember if their defense was good or not, but I just feel like. That oftentimes happens, maybe for offensive coordinators also, where it's like the team might not be good for a year or two, but the side of the ball that they're coming from is going to be better. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Houston, if Houston we end up seeing has like a feisty defense. We don't really – I can't name a single player on the Texans defense, but like maybe they're not bottom 10 this year, and that's really just like – and then we start to hear uh, D'Amico Ryan's like putting his stamp on the defense or whatever, you know, toughness and attitude and all that. So we'll see how this plays out, but I agree. Like I think I thought the Ravens would, would score a lot more than they did, but let's see if, if the Texans' defense ends up being a little better than we anticipated. The other game of note that I had was a lot of people were talking about the Tennessee Titans – and that they were going to come for my Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, I stand for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, that the Tennessee Titans were going to challenge them in this division. I, I guess this ties into the Saints too, because I wasn't overly impressed by the Saints. But if Ryan Tannehill is going to play quarterback for the Tennessee Titans, they have absolutely no chance of winning anything. None. Well, uh, well he was quite bad last night. And, you know, they lost by one at New Orleans. However, I disagree with that statement because the backup quarterbacks are not good. So he is their best chance to win. And by trading for Hopkins, I do not foresee them going to a rookie quarterback anytime soon. I don't know. Hopkins may ask for it considering – you know, some of the reactions when Tannehill's sailing throws. Yeah, no, he, he was horrible. Um, and I'm not like, you know, 16 to 15. I, I didn't really know who to take that game. I think, I guess the Titans covered. Um, yeah, because, hold on one second. Because Mike Vrabel knew 
that Ryan Tannehill was not going to get them in the end zone. So he thought if we're close enough, take the points, and maybe we can get a stop and try and get close enough again. Ryan, by the way, and Mike Vrabel's a really good coach, but that is as damning a statement about your quarterback as it gets. Yeah, uh, you know what? Well, I mean, yeah, he's, he's not good. I still think every year I, I tell you how I'm like, I don't get the Titans. They're not good. I don't understand how they keep winning the division and making the playoffs. So I have that feeling again this year, and I'm not ready to, to crown the Jaguars division champs. Um, one other thing I wrote was not so surprising. It kind of like it was actually <laughs> I'm annoyed because I had a take, and the take proved correct, and I didn't profit off of it, which was I like the Browns, and I had the Browns like in three different parlays, but not on their own. And the reason I felt it and uh, was because I feel like it was just overlooked that like Burrow missed the entire training camp and preseason and just yep. came back. And like, of course he's going to be rusty. Like we saw across the league, these quarterbacks and offenses be rusty. And that's because they barely play any preseason. Burrow missed all of the training. Camp. Yeah. The first two weeks essentially serve as preseason games for the starting units on offense. I mean, all across the league, I said it in the monologue, like the offenses were gross. I mean, Cincinnati is exhibit A. So I, 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 I and I also think the Browns have a very good defense. So And they own really, Cincinnati when they play them at home. Right. It's uh yeah. So the combination really of the Browns defense, which I felt like people weren't giving the Browns enough credit for how good they actually are. And the borough not having played anything. Um, I just like felt that really favored the Browns. I didn't know it was also going to be like kind of heavy raining the entire game, which may have affected things, but like the Browns are just, the Browns D line is great. Their secondary is really good. The Bengals O line might be a little problematic and borough hasn't played at all. Like, T. Higgins is not going to have zero catches in any other game this year. Um, so that was just one thing that didn't really surprise me or stood out. I was just like, I felt like that was going to happen, and it did happen. And now the real question is, like, when do the Bengals turn the corner? Like, do I bet on them week two as, like, everyone's overreacting? Or should I feel like, no, it's going to take a few weeks? Well, I know we put in our picks Tuesday night. I, I took an early look at the lines, and there is not a whole heck of a lot that I absolutely like. Um, I'll get to my Bengals point in a second. Uh, my, my last thing was I know I've been high on the Jaguars this year, and the Trevor Lawrence-Calvin Ridley thing is going to be awesome this year. Yeah, Ridley is good. Um, yeah, yeah. He's good. So good. He was good before the suspension, and he's good now. Yep. So if you were starting a team now, who are you drafting? Lawrence or Tua? I'd probably take Lawrence. Wow, you hate Tua. I knew it. All right, the Dolphins <laughs> fans are going to get mad. Um, we'll let you go on this. One preseason prediction that after week one you're like, all right, I'm scrapping that one. And one preseason prediction that even if it didn't look good week one, you're still holding strong. All right. So holding strong, I will say Steelers make the playoffs. Um, 
One thing that I'm now out on is the, uh, you know what? Let's just make the whole episode. Uh, the, the Giants O-line is going to be better than last year. I, I now don't think so. Um, yeah, the Giants made my one prediction that I'm not so that I was high on before the season that I'm not so sure about now that I may come off of is the Giants finishing second in the NFC East. Yeah, that was that was pretty rough. And the one that I'm holding strong on is I still think Cincinnati's going to be awesome. And, you know, if I had to pick a team to go to the Super Bowl from the AFC, I think they're going to be the team. Okay. One, I'll give one, uh, one bonus answer. Not saying like the Bears' defense is very bad, so I'm not saying this was so surprising. But I have been on the record of saying I don't think Jordan Love is good, and he obviously played very well yesterday. So that I would say that's in process of potentially being something I was wrong about. But obviously, I will want to see him play more games. It's only been week one. You can't overreact to week one again because, as we said, there's a lot of craziness. Uh, it, teams treat week one basically like the preseason. It, it, it's ugly. You can't overreact to week, week one too much. So with that said, we're, we're going to pray that the uh, the vibes switch up for the, our New York Giants. Shias was great. We just had It was so bad last night that we had to do a therapy session. I appreciate the time. No. I don't think I'm overreacting by saying the Giants may not score a single point this entire season. No, one actual thing that I did think about today, though, is last year, week one, the Giants did not score in the first half. Last night, they did not score in the first half. I'm just saying, I don't know what it means, but that's two season openers with Dable where you have actual weeks to prepare for your week one opponent and both games they were shut out at in the first half. Uh, just an interesting thing I thought about. Thanks for, thanks for the extra <laughs> nugget of sadness. I appreciate that. <laughs> this is this was uh, fun. It was it's always fun to talk to you, but uh, this this was a little okay. a little bleak. Let's uh, let's hope things turn around. I appreciate you as always, and we'll uh, we'll speak soon. All right. See ya. All the best. Thanks again to recurring guest Shy Alberger for coming on. Venting about the Giants week one opening beatdown at the hands of the Dallas Cowboys. Talking a little bit about week one thoughts, things that we noticed, things that we like, things we don't like. That's episode 223 for the love of the game. Take us out, Yin Yang Twins. Homeboy, now that I'm up in my zone, boy. Pack up a finny, you homeboy. Take you up out of the dome, boy. If you didn't know, you should have known, boy. Should have thought about changing your tone, boy. Better not let us get you alone, boy. Crack hands like we made a stone, boy. When we come out, you better be gone, boy.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.